we've only just begun to live white lace and promises a kiss for luck and we're on our way we've only begun This is podcast 372, entitled We've Only Just Begun, 1973. And you've just heard the Carpenter's immortal version of that. And the subject of the cast is um, Mary's and my 50th anniversary, in light of the themes that we talk about week to week, especially the themes of faith, hope, love, connection, and ultimate relationship with a graceful and tender and merciful God. We, in fact, happen to be celebrating our 50th anniversary of marriage in just a few weeks on December the 29th of this year. And on that day, we will have been married exactly 50 years from the very beginning at the First United Methodist Church in Winter Garden, Florida, where the pastor there and the Reverend John Yates, representing the Episcopal Strand, united us in the covenant of holy matrimony. And um, I want to talk a little bit about love, enduring love, and I do want to touch base, especially at the end, with Christmas. Now, I do want to tell you that um, sort of hermeneutically, I almost always arrive at these casts, or rather, they descend upon me almost always in light of music. So last night, Mary and I are sitting, and she's reading or doing something, and I'm across the living room, and uh, I happen to put on a particular recording, which will end this cast. It's really quite wonderful, albeit a little bit zany, as you will imagine. I think you'll love it if you'll give it a full listen. And um, she says, you know, I really like that that particular track, and I, I did too. And that got me thinking. It was the track, it was the music that got into my sort of uh, place, my that place in the Death Star, you know, the opening, the the little the little um, vulnerability, the at the Earth's core section of myself that uh, the Holy Spirit and the soul inhabit. And then the whole cast came. It was time to write uh, and to present something about uh, that event that I am most um, thankful for without question, because everything else in our lives uh, stem from it. I watched um, John Zoll preach yesterday at St. Matthew's Bedford, and I saw remarkable pictures um, 
that uh, were taken by Mills Fleming in Savannah of David Zoll preaching at St. John's Episcopal Church and then speaking at the very, very beautiful Green Meldrum House, part of St. John's Church, uh, an environment I know well for many, many years. And then Simeon was preaching in Holy Trinity, Cambridge, England, which is where Charles Simeon himself, our Simeon's namesake, preached for almost 35, 40, 50 years and uh, had such a powerful impact on the Church of England and the world at large. And here I saw these three young men and their very, very different personalities and approaches and <clears throat> personas, but speaking basically each in their own form, the greatest message of hope and potential optimism and reconstruction that the world has ever known and to see these pictures of all three and the videos of all three of our sons at this age uh, with their own children and families and wives just was what the world now calls awesome so I want to just go back for a minute and talk about what it seems to me to be the essence and the um, fundamentals of a 50-year marriage coming from my own experience, but I don't want to be, you know, like in a sermon, I'm speaking completely out of my own heart and experience, but I don't need to go into details because the real issue is the details of your experience as they may attach themselves or vibrate or resonate with uh, the um, lived uh, experiences and principles that have endowed my life with Mary, and I believe our marriage with um, lifelong love. I think the first thing I would want to say is that at the very beginning, every lasting marriage has to be, this is an empirical observation, not a law. It's an observation the way things are, not the way they necessarily ought to be, but they are this way. Every marriage needs to be um, has to have started in a point of authentic, <clears throat> mutual, <clears throat> romantic male-female love. There has to be a beginning. It has to be rooted in a um, kind of cosmic, human, soulful connection between a man and a woman in um, uh, a coup de foudre, a moment of <clears throat> um, understanding and belovedness <clears throat> and outreaching that is uh, uh, romantic. And if it <clears throat> isn't that, if it's founded on some form of ought <clears throat> or some prior um, goal, we're, we're reading, Mary's reading and watching the, the Way We Are Now by Anthony Trollope, a late novel by the Victorian novelist in which a uh, a man is after a very wealthy lady because he needs the money. He's an alcoholic and a roué, and he desperately, <clears throat> and his family, he rationalizes, need the money. <clears throat> so he goes after this um, woman, presumably of wealth, and we all know that, you know, that it's a terrible thing. The power of that opening moment is without question the um, origin of a lasting marriage because you find yourself returning to it. If you don't have it, you don't have something to return to. It has to be something that is capable of being reignited or relit, uh, but is actually there. Uh, smoldering is not quite the right word, but it's always there in nuce. And that moment is something you return to. So when I hear the song by Karen and Richard Carpenter, We've Only Just Begun, that song was playing everywhere in the way music was played in those days, 
at the moment when we were married. It was playing when I got off the plane from England to um, be there for the big event because I was a student at St. John's Theological College in Nottingham where Colin Buchanan was uh, vice principal and right there, the man who died, the extraordinary visionary and gifted uh, Church of England bishop who died just a few days ago. And um, I got off the plane and we've only just begun and in the car we've only just begun and white lace and promises a kiss for luck and we're on our way well that was the way it actually was I I was taking Mary to a place she'd never been uh, not having planned it very well with no money I mean almost zero financial support Um, I mean you wouldn't believe it no car and we never had a car in our early years of marriage Uh, our no refrigerator. We had to put our milk and our vegetables out on the out on the lintel of the window um, outside. Uh, no heat. Uh, coal strike in England. Nothing. And uh, and yet um, a kiss for luck, and we're on our way. But what we had, and we did have it, was what I've just described, and that was um, central. And then in moments of stress, which all marriages have, I mean, all marriages have, and that's not some kind of dire statement. It's just, again, an observation. All marriages have stress in whatever way you want to say. Romantically, they have it. Male-female-wise, they have it. Raising children, they have it. Not raising children, they have it. Career, they have it. Roles, they have it. Hard work, they have it. Sudden, circumstantial traumatic changes in one's fortunes happen, and um, you return to that song. You return to what it was for you. You have something in your marriage, some moment, some uh, happy um, experience, some usually a movie. Uh, it's very often a song, at least with guys, and even with girls it is, although they may not who know. They'll always say, well, I don't know who performed it or, you know, who the backup bass player was like you do, dear. But I, when I hear the song, I'm right back there. So we're really the same in that way, men and women, um, despite the details. And um, we've only just begun. So we had that moment. We had those moments in Brooklyn, Massachusetts, and um, Cambridge, and uh, Florida and Walt Disney and so when I think of our marriage and I need to rekindle the power of that I all I need to do is listen to um, um, the background music to Peter Pan's journey his ride in uh, the Walt Disney World Peter Pan's flight and the music it takes me back in a second to our honeymoon and the an earlier time and all I need to do is listen to the theme from the BBC 1971-72 production of the Pallisers and I'm immediately back in our very first year of marriage our second year our third year fighting battles to be recognized in our own denomination trying to work in a place that seems so uh, inhospitable to the message and etc etc or Steely Dan. But think about that. Uh, that's what you go back to when things are under stress. Now, the second thing, and this is really just two, if you, if you can stay in touch and remain in touch, and believe me, you can do this, with the moment of keenest romance and romantic feeling that you had with your mate at the very earliest time 
you will be able to rekindle that. That is able to be rekindled. It may not happen naturally or uh, automatically, but it can be rekindled. It can be a place. It can be music. It can be um, a work of art. It can be a book. It can be something, a letter that you've kept, something that uh, is the brings the past into the now in a riveting way that touches that which is eternal in you, your soul, the soul that is so brilliantly portrayed in William Blake's plates for Robert Blair's 1743 rather dire poem, The Grave, but the plates that William Blake designed, the pictures of the soul and the body and their unity and how it relates to your ultimate resolution of uh, a unified person before God, uh, unified especially in terms of the love that the soul is able to give and to receive. That is, that is irreplaceable, and it is indispensable, and it is the anchor at the earth's core of your marriage. Now, there's one other thing, though, and I just want to say it. Um, that's really the main thing, but it's not the only thing. The other thing is a shared faith. Now, you're going to say, well, that, you know, how can you, you know, or what about if I don't? My wife was a Mormon, or my husband, you know, doesn't really like church, or my husband had a very bad experience growing up, or he blames somebody for the kind of religion he was exposed to. Are you kidding? He's never going to connect with me on that way. Well, that's a problem. Now, it may alter in term when there's a crisis, but that is a problem because what you need to navigate the deepest waters is you really do need a shared dependence on God. You need something outside yourself. And I don't think that will come as news to anyone who's listening to this cast, but it's really true. That's not a law. Again, it's just a description. But Mary and I had a shared faith in God. And even though mine was much less informed than hers, and mine was more intellectually, you know, whatever the intellectual way that I had prosecuted it, which was just a, a kind of cover for the deeper yearnings of the soul and the heart. Um, we found that we were dependent on God. It was something that we'd always had. <clears throat> and I think it's the core secret for our being uh, together for 50 years, because we really did, right from the start, we laid our lives down and our marriage down and then our children down and our work down in every way from gardening to child rearing to parish ministry we to problems in ministry we um always without fail when things were really difficult we would turn together to god and uh we, I, I, the other day, I said, Mary, you know, haven't we been having these morning quiet times sort of seven days a week-ish for 50 years, with very few exceptions? And she said, yes, we have, except she said there was a six-year period when we were at our busiest, whether it was in Scarborough or in New York or something. We didn't, I, and I couldn't remember that. I had six years, I had maybe one year, but we, our memories, but still, that's 50, <laughs> whether it's 50 minus seven or 50 minus six months. That has been crucial for us. And even when we were separated by the Atlantic Ocean and I was in Germany and the family was in Charleston, we did the same thing. She would read the same passage in the morning and I would read and we would often telephone at least three times a day, uh, sorry, three times a week from Germany to Charleston to just check in and even on what we were hearing from God and we would write our letters that way and it was daily letters when I was in England separated during our engagement for three months every single day. I only say that because if you 
if you both look to God, it doesn't have to be, you know, dogmatic. I don't have to be a five-point Calvinist while she's an Arminian or she's a follower of this ministry and I'm a follower of that ministry. But the core is a shared um, kind of bended knee before something larger than ourselves, not just activism because that runs out of gas because it's got, got an idea of human nature that often kind of tumbles down in the light of disappointment, disillusionment, and bitter experience of other people's personas in relationship to yourself. But when it's tied in together with uh, the Word of God to you, you can navigate an enormous number of problems. Well, I'm going to end now. That's all I wanted to say. I wanted to say that our 50th year anniversary, which we are enormously grateful for, nothing could be more important to me personally, I think to Mary as well, is the um, proper thanksgiving and gratitude and marking of our 50th anniversary of marriage on December the 29th of 2023. Um, And in light of that, the Christmas song I'm going to give you, because it was a Christmas gift to us, we were married right after Christmas and in the light of Christmas. I'm going to invite you to hear probably, again, one of the most um, important and solemn of all uh, Christmas um, tracks. And you all immediately know, but give this particular track about a minute before you write it off because nothing happens for the first minute. But as we say, trust me, and if you'll give it two minutes, you'll be amply rewarded to know that Christmas is really a unifying part of the human heart, as is so beautifully um, projected in the last minute and a half of this remarkable piece of beloved music. Happy anniversary, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, and we love you so. God bless. Thank you.